0: He cannot disappear. Maybe hit him high, but what else can he do? He can't disappear. In the slow motion, it looks a little bit bad, but... Accidents happen. They
1: do. He's done his knees. Oh, well, this is incredible. And now
0: will come the magic sponge. There it is.
1: No scissors, no tape. Building. Just a dirty old sponge,
2: and it's worked. The sponge could wipe out a pandemic. It can cure us all.
0: Yes, welcome again to the Magic Sponge podcast, the miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues. My name is Brian Seney. Most of you know me as the guy behind the NRL physio social media pages. Look, my physio co-host, fellow NRL Nuffy James, back again. Welcome, James.
1: Thanks, mate. Round 16, wet and wild weekend in the footy and been for brain cancer round. So good to see people get behind a good cause there, mate. What do you reckon of it?
0: Mate, loved it. Always always love getting around those kind of causes. And, uh, yeah, really good to see the NRL embrace it. So more, more of it, the better. Uh, but, look, guys, as always, this will be your weekly one-stop shop for all things injury analysis in the NRL. We'll give our take on the in-game injuries from the round just gone, review the big injury and rehab news from those already in the casualty ward and talk through the implications of certain injuries on things like recovery time, performance, and even super coach scoring. Look, if you find yourself enjoying this content, it's only the tip of the iceberg in terms of the things that we put out each week over on patreon.com slash nrlphysio. So we've got our casualty ward there, which covers every injured player in the NRL in detail, uh, looking at how it can influence performance and supercoach scoring, detailed write-ups. We had a deep dive this week on Pappenhausen, Latrell, Payne Haas, those kind of guys, even Cameron Munster. Uh, So yeah, putting a lot of time into making sure that you guys are well informed with your injuries heading into each round and all the questions that we answer on the pod are from patrons only. So if you are able to get involved, but if not, listen along and enjoy. But uh, yeah, James, let's get stuck into round 16 injuries.
2: I don't know exactly what he's done. I would have thought it was an ankle, but I, I'm just guessing. He shouldn't be out for a long
0: period of time. I and mean, I'm, I'm no doctor. We have to wait for the scans, obviously, but that'd be more positive than, than negative.
1: Round 16's in the books, Brian, and the first game was the Manly Seagulls versus the Melbourne Storm. The main injury concern out of this one, who's a highly um, rostered player in fantasy circles, is Ruben Garrick, who had a hip-pointer injury. From experience, they are excruciatingly painful. What do you think in terms of expected length of time that Ruben Garrick will be missing, Brian?
0: That's a good little uh, you know reference to your expertise as a uh, gun football player. So I like you dropping that in there just to remind people, <laughs> you know, you, you got you know you got hit hard enough that you got hit pointers. So that's very well done. But uh, yes. yeah, look, that's right. As 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 I'm sure yourself being an elite player uh, found out, super super painful. Not something that's about major damage or anything like that. It can be quite debilitating in terms of when we say a pain management issue. It can get painful enough. that... That it actually affects function. So a few guys in the past couple of years have gone down kind of non-contact after copying a hit pointer, and people have thought like I remember Anthony Don went down. I think it was last year or the year before. In just like a like he was literally running back on side and just went down, and everyone was like, Oh my god, he's done his Achilles, um, his ACL, something like that. But it just ended up being a hit pointer, and that's how painful they can get. The big bonus here for Garrick is the fact that he's got the week off um, with the with the buy round. So it's probably not something overly, you know, an issue with a week off. If he was playing again next week, it's something I'd bake into my expectations for him week in, week out. But, for example, like I've got Garrick in my team and he's not, yeah, he's not someone who I'm looking to sell because of the the hip pointer injury. He just might be an increased risk of aggravation slightly.
1: Yeah, good call. I think the only other thing I'd add is sometimes it's hard with those sort of injuries is that, where a lot of your pain is from, like, that front of you, like that part of your pelvis there, it's where your abs insert as well. So sometimes any little movement, any deep breath or any cough that you do can be really aggravating for those things. So, yeah, they're a pretty, pretty ordinary sort of thing to have to deal with. But, you know, in terms of long term prognosis, they're not a, you know, high, high, high risk of recurrence there. But hopefully the week off will do him some good. We'll move into the next games there, Brian, instead of me rehashing my very, 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 <laughs> very illustrious sporting career. So we'll, we'll breeze by the Titans and the Knights because there's no major concerns out of that game. Similarly for the Panthers versus the Roosters, there's no major concerns out of that one, although I will say that the refereeing in this game was not the best. That's probably been very, very diplomatic. <laughs> I think if I was a Roosters fan, I would be very, very, very upset about a few of the things that went down in that game. If you're a Panthers fan, you're cheering, it moves on. You're mate, we're going to get some one-star but...
0: reviews from Panthers fans now. Far out. Oh, mate. You know.
1: <laughs> seriously, the Roosters in this game, Brian, they were hard done by, in my opinion. I think there was a few very dubious calls. And Trent Robinson is normally fairly conservative with – his post match press has even made mention that, yeah, there were some fairly dubious calls in his opinion. So I think if Trent Robinson's saying that things aren't good, then, then things definitely aren't good because he normally takes the ball pretty are, well, I would say.
0: I, I love you all. Don't, uh, you know, don't let, uh, don't let James, you know, negate our, our usual, you know, wonderful five star reviews. So I, I do understand what you're saying, though. That's James. right.
1: Yeah. Fair shout. So. That was probably the only thing I would add from that game. And, and I think we don't have to dig into that too much because I think even the Dragons Raiders game later, there was a few other things that might be talking points that we can sort of discuss a bit more, but the Bulldog Sharks game was the next game on the slate there. Declan Casey had a fairly major sort of head injury or concussion there. He was medicabbed off the field. So hopefully he's okay as he works his way back through the protocols there. Corey Allen was ruled out pre-game with a groin injury and they're talking fairly high grade there. So maybe between six and eight weeks is the whispers that i've heard at this stage and the one who i really want to speak to you about brian because this is super interesting in terms of just physio stuff that's a bit of a wet dream for me and you is (laughs) tpj having a plantaris tendon rupture. stuff you don't see it's a very very rare injury very unusual thing let's have a chat about this one in a bit more detail because i think this is areas that we can get to in a bit more detail with physio related stuff about tpj who's also a highly rostered player
0: yeah, 100%. So I um, I was sitting down and thinking, I think in over 10 years of, you know, private practice treating, I reckon I've seen two of these. One was a rupture and the other was just a, like a partial tear, but super, super rare. Um, the, the way I kind of put it to those patients, you know, because both of them felt that pop in the back of their, you know, back of their calf. If you feel a pop in the back of your calf and this is what you're coming away with, you are just going and biting a lotto ticket, right? Like... Pop in the back of the calf, you're usually talking Achilles uh, is the you know the big concern, which is surgery and, and months and months out. The plantaris muscle uh, originates up in the knee and goes down and attaches on the inside of the achilles. It's a really It's mostly tendon. like if you look at my post on online, you'll see the little muscle belly right up the top and then the tendon, which is that white ropey structure. It goes for the most of the length of the calf. It's not really a, an important muscle at all in that it doesn't serve much of a function. It actually served more of a function when we used to walk around on all fours, funnily enough. So if you go back, you know... However, many thousands of years. That was when plantaris was kind of a bit more useful. But now that we walk on two legs, it doesn't really serve much of a purpose. So, in terms of recovery, uh, yeah, you just have to get over that initial sort of pain, inflammation, because it can get like the guy who I saw with a rupture. It was really bruised and really swollen, so it just bleeds quite a bit. So, you kind of have to get over that initial, I guess, that initial, you know, healing process and stuff like that. But usually, a return somewhere in like kind of that two to six week range it it, like i'd say more likely four to six is is what i've seen uh but yeah super rare injury i like i think the biggest thing which is kind of weird i know for people listening is that like 10% of people on earth don't have a plantaris muscle or tendon. Like it's yeah. it's just yep. this really weird, <laughs> it's, it's such a weird injury. Like I saw the mechanism of injury and I'm like, I haven't really seen any, like I didn't really see anything super obvious. He kind of grabbed at his leg, but he didn't grab at his like lower leg. Like you know, like an Achilles or something like that. So yeah, it was just really, really strange. But as you say, like physio, physio porn kind of thing. Like it's yeah, really, really cool to see it happen. Albeit you know, no injuries are a positive, but yeah, certainly uh, a unique one.
1: Very unique, hey. I, I think um. I was just going to say in terms of like heavy amount you see through a clinic, I must say I've never seen one acutely in my sort of clinical experience. The ones we do see a little bit of and we do a little bit of treatment on in a certain population is I must say in terms of like people who get total joint replacements in terms of knee surgeries there, Brian, sometimes just when those people lack that terminal knee extension, and sorry, this is a bit of physio sort of, nitty gritty sort of chat here. But some of those people that lack that terminal knee extension with the, you know, the screw home mechanism there, sometimes they can get good benefit from plantaris release. So just getting yeah. deep tissue and just working in behind that sort of posteromedial aspect of the knee there is normally the way I get at it there. So that would be the only thing I probably would have seen in my clinical practice. But yeah, very, very, very rare one. Do you sort of do any work on it outside of like those acute injuries in your clinical practice?
0: Well, I think it's something and and probably one thing I wanted to mention just about Plantaris, which is pretty cool, is that um, it's it's kind of my number one differential diagnosis. So, in other words, uh, for those listening, it's it's the number one thing that I go to if I'm not getting on top of what I think is an Achilles tendinopathy or a tendonitis. Is is actually that it's the plantaris. Uh, like I find a lot of that sort of pain, like chronic pain on the inside of the um inside of the Achilles tendon, if it's really really tender, more on that medial side, on that inner side. I often find doing some work on the plantarus really really helps so that's probably where i've come across it the most uh but yeah it's it's yeah it's just a a muscle that we very rarely talk about so it's uh yeah as i said it's cool to to be able to talk about it now
1: yeah, very unusual in NRL circles. And I guess in terms of expected length of time out, I, I wouldn't even be confident in speculating how long TPJ will be facing on the sidelines So I guess I know on um, your post on social media, you said between sort of two and six weeks, which is a pretty big window. Like, do you think that's probably... Just, just the way it's got to be at the moment within his estimated return to play?
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not going to affect him functionally that much. Like, the guy who I treated with it, like, could, yeah, calf raise, like, lateral bounds, like, you know, leap for distance, three-hop test, all that kind of stuff pretty quickly. It's just more getting on top of that, that initial healing and and the pain that comes with that in those first couple of weeks. So I think I had him back. He was a uh, a soccer player, a fo- you know football for those who call it that. Um, yeah, and he was back I think at about four and a half weeks post injury, and that's you know um, you know not in a professional rugby league setting. So uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure. It, it, like I I doubt it'd be much longer than six weeks if it was even that long.
1: Good, good. We'll move on to the Queensland Derby game next with the Cowboys versus the Broncos. Good game, this one, actually. Two injury concerns out of this was Tamari Martin with a rib injury, almost in that same incident. It almost looked like he had a high ankle sort of mechanism as well. He sort of got, got hit and folded up in trying to save a try in the corner there. And the other one of concern was from the Cowboys with Cohen Hess nursing a shoulder concern. Do you have any other updates around about those two guys as it stands on Sunday
0: night, Brian? It's sounding like Martin actually probably has a rib fracture. Uh, so I uh, that was the indication from Kevy post match which would usually be around that 3 to 4 week return to play. Um so yeah, he he'd be at long odds for next week unless it just comes back that you know it's it, it's a really really bad kind of, you know, rib cartilage aggravation or something like that, but even so those ones can extend out even if there's no fracture you can miss up to sort of 2 to 3 weeks if it's really really painful. Uh, and then Cohen with his shoulder, mate, he's been dealing with this all season. I reckon he dislocated it or subluxed it earlier in the season, and I think this is about the third or fourth time he's done it again. They called it like a nerve injury at the time, um, but if it's like a burner or something like that, usually you'll see a guy come back on. So, like, I'm suspicious that he's, yeah, he's dealing with an unstable shoulder that he's just kind of playing through. So, moving forward, I think there's just that, risk and I mean it's already happened to him three or four times that I've seen let alone times that I haven't uh so yeah I'd say he's just a an ongoing re-injury risk
1: yeah it's good observation I, I was in the same thought I thought geez he looks like he's in a fairly decent world of hurt there for someone who's just had a burner there so I think he might be right in your suspicions there that he's dealing with a little bit more than a, a one-off shoulder, sh- uh, shoulder burner as such from there so yeah nice nice eagle eye there mate I think we might move forward to the Bunnies versus the Eels. And firstly and foremost, good to see Latrell back. He was obviously not at his very, very, very best. I think, you know, you had a look at his off the ball efforts and, things like that, and, and certainly he's going to get back into playing condition fairly quickly. But he was instrumental in the Rabbitohs win the other night. I thought he was really good. He's, he's good to watch. He just makes that team hum when he's on the field. So good to see Luttrell back firstly. Two concerns. So Mark Nichols had a concussion concern. He was ruled out of the game, so he'll have to work his way through the protocols. And Hame also had a hamstring injury. Hard to tell from the video in terms of severity there, but he was basically assisted off the field. So he didn't walk off the field on his own, on his own strength there. So that sort of makes me lean towards, it's probably more than a minor sort of strain there. It might be something more high grade. So that's my initial inkling, Brian. Did you have any thoughts if you caught that game?
0: Yeah, I I didn't see the game, but I went back and had a look at the injury mechanism to see if I could see anything because there was mixing reports of hamstring on the telecast, but then kind of post match there was some saying lower leg. Uh, once again, a bit like TPJ, the the mechanism wasn't too obvious, and we'll talk about sort of the impact wet weather can have on injury risk for different injuries in a, in a question in the uh, question section coming up. But yeah, I think if it is a hamstring injury, it's probably looking like at least moderate, but potentially high. Grade, which would be, you know, at least four to six weeks and potentially longer. Uh so yeah, I would say the Rabbits will be without uh Sele for yeah, multiple weeks at this stage.
1: Yeah, good one. Don't think there's anything else I'd want to add in addition to that. So we might move quickly through the Warriors Tigers game because James Hamo was ruled out here with a half pre match. We don't have any indication around severity there, so Nothing we can really update about James Tamo, but good to see the Warriors back home and um, putting on a show for local fans. Yeah, I think 100%. that's that's good for footy and and good for a team that's really done it tough over the last little bit. So we have to be appreciative for the sacrifices they've made for that geez, extended amount of time now. I think on the telecast, it was between two and a half and three years away. Over a 1,000 days, Brian. Imagine being away from home for a 1,000 days. Yeah, Not crazy. the best.
0: They, they were living in Redcliffe, the best city in Australia, but apart from that, <laughs> yes, I completely agree. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it's only the best city in Australia if you're wearing the Redcliffe Dolphins jersey, though. I don't know if you get as much street credit if you've got a Warriors jersey, but you probably get a fair bit, let's be fair. That's true. Very true. Last game in the round, Brian, Dragons versus Raiders, and um, Max Fiani was a quad strain or cork. hard to sort of um, see there for Fianney, sorry, um, in terms of injury mechanism or anything like that. I just saw him on on the bench there later in the game with a big ice pack strapped to his thigh there. So we don't really know if it was a contact injury or whether it was a quad strain. So a bit of a watch and wait there for the wing position on the Dragon side of things. And I don't know if you caught the end of this game, Brian, but there's a fair bit of controversy in how this ended. What were your thoughts on it if you got a glimpse of this from the land room?
0: Yeah, James, I just hate the six again rule. (laughs) Just say it, and this is like the culmination of it, right like we won 't go on too long because we 're an injury podcast, but yeah, look like the whole the whole thing of six again uh doing well it it caused the blowouts last year for sure uh because the blowouts have all of a sudden gone, you know, uh, drastically down this year in number uh, when, you know, it was blamed on roster management or something last year, which is just ridiculous, so yeah, look like, uh, yeah the poor Raiders, I mean the, the Dragons were just doing exactly what they could to win the game, so props to them but yeah, the, this was just a sign that the Six again, uh, yeah gives gives you different ways to, to win a game outside of what would normally be accepted, which sucks a little bit, so yeah uh, Yeah, hopefully something happens. This might be a little bit of a fire starter for it. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah,
1: it was interesting, They were talking about how to get around that sort of, I guess, a decision in that situation. So I think Brandon Smith was on the Sunday night um, show with Matty Johns, and he almost said, in that situation, you've got to be pretty heads up. If someone is blatantly offside, he's like, you nearly need to try and intentionally knock the ball on so you get a full penalty so you can have a shot for goal. So I thought, wow, that's interesting that, well, it's no real surprises that the Melbourne Storm were pretty on top of those sort of things and it's they're actually sort of ahead of the ball. curve in terms yeah. of what you need to do. Yeah, and what you need to do in those situations. Just drop but the ball
0: in the play. The it was, a, it was a
1: really yeah. interesting one because I think the Raiders were probably the better of the teams but they just didn't really get it done when they needed so they sort of, I think they shot up themselves in the foot there a little bit with it's their very ball un- unlike in the, the second Raiders, half. Mate. So I guess, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, just choke city down in Canberra there from time to time, isn't it? But yeah, I, I agree with you on the six again. I think, it's a rule that sort of we've tried for long enough and has it really enhanced the viewing experience i think you could sort of make an argument against it to be honest at this stage in time i i, I tend to think that the thing that would open up the game of footy would just be lowering the interchanges but then you've got the players association and you know player welfare sort of yeah. considerations with that but I tend to think if you want to induce more fatigue into the game, you don't have to try and speed it up or make it faster. You might just have to decrease the amount of time. Boys can sub in and out and do things a little bit more strategically that way. That would be sort of my sort of thing. But, but yeah, also I don't you really don't need, boy, you again, don't need a bit too of a
0: much fatigue. Like this idea, and this is where we can get into injury, performance, physio stuff. Like too much fatigue. Fatigue does not make performance better like and it doesn't like the little bringing the little guy back if the little guy's tired he has less energy to do his little guy stuff right you need a balance you can't just keep increasing fatigue there is a breaking point and we saw it last year um, you know with the you know the fatigue and all that kind of stuff just causing these ridiculous blowouts uh, so it, it's about finding a balance you can't just keep adding fatigue 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 um, and expect performance to be good because so many of the tries last Last year, we just boring like pop ball crash overs to like forwards running through tired blokes on the other side. Like that's not bringing the little man back. Like, you know, like so. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, certainly don't keep adding fatigue. You know, it's about finding a balance is my takeaway from all of that. We'll loop it back to physio. But yeah, let's get into the questions before we go too long with it.
1: I'm sure. Questions coming up on Patreon now. So if you want to follow Brian, get around him on patreon.com forward slash Physio. I was thinking the other day, Brian, I had another thought about this as I tend to do from week to week. But if you're a physio student or a physio that does, oh, I guess, education or you give presentations to people from time to time, I was like, a lot of your content would be a very, very cheap addition for $5 a month. You could get, You could get your hands on that and put that to good use, I would say.
0: mate. I've actually got a few physio students who are are on board ask me heaps of questions. Not that I'm the, you know, a fountain of knowledge on all things, but a few things. Uh, So yeah, no, it's good. Um, It's always good. I, I like it when somebody who's, you know, in and around the industry jumps in in the DMs over on Patreon, which is the only place I really answer dms these days uh but yeah always good to to hear from fellow physios and you can jump on and, and get access to my animations or my stats and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's a, it's good fun
1: Nice one let's get into the questions then brian so first and foremost got a performance related question about Payne haas ryan Pappenhausen and latrell mitchell what did you make of them over the weekend that's just been in
0: yeah, I mean, we spoke about Luttrell just before, like really, you know, did really, really well. He probably wasn't quite at 100%, but I think we've spoken about in the past with him, it probably wasn't performance was our main concern because he did a lot of conditioning and stuff like that it was more his re-injury risk. Uh, so, you know, he's gotten through one week, hopefully he gets through two weeks, and then the risk starts to come down. But, yeah, no, really impressed with him uh, to the point where, you know, look, he, he's probably someone usually I'd shy away from from a super coach perspective for the first couple of weeks. But I'm actually still doing quite well, classic-wise, scoring some good scores, and I'm right up in the pointy end. But I'm struggling for numbers this week, so I need some upside. So I might even potentially—I mean, yeah—as it stands, I'm, I'm definitely I'm off. We'll we'll talk about that in the uh, in the trade section very soon. Pappy, look, he performed about as expected. I think this is a real example of where super coach and real life don't match up because everyone was banging on after the last five minutes oh he's played his way into a an origin jersey you know how good was that scored a hundred points in seven minutes or whatever he did but he played average like he like and and not to say that that wasn't expected because, as I said, that that is what we expected coming off a hamstring and a PCL injury. But, yeah, like all those last five minutes, I think he had one good run that was pretty impressive that he scored the try on. Other than that, he kind of shoveled a few balls along to the wingers or the centers to score a try. But, yeah, he just didn't look himself. He, You know, I think when... Cola or Cooler caught the ball early in the game and sort of took off. Like Pappy turned to chase, and you could just tell. I mean, not many people are going to catch Cola, but Pappy isn't the kind of guy who would pull out of a chase like straight away. And you could just tell he wasn't right in that chase. So I would be shocked if Freddie brings him in to one of the top 18 spots. He might sort of bring him in. Um, and look, I might. Get egg on my face when this eventually comes out, but yeah, I'd just be shocked if they brought him in off that because yeah, he it, like it wasn't his his best game from a performance wise. But look, as I say, uh, he super coach purposes, he still scored one hundred and thirty something points, so you're still cheering for that, which is great. Uh, but he's only going to get better from here, and he's another one who I'm looking to bring in this week. And then Hass, yeah, Hass was a real weird one because I think he almost played like. The first, like the entire first half, or something like that, which was just really strange coming off, you know, what he came off. But then uh, didn't play like, well, not didn't play too much in the second half, but didn't have much of an impact in the second half. Look, I thought it was a weird management of his minutes, but I thought he performed relatively as expected. I think his work rate was down considering he got 60 odd minutes or 65 minutes and still didn't pump out, you know, many, um, you know, super coach points or stats or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I thought he was still a little bit down on his work rate. I was surprised with his minutes and the management of him because I thought he'd definitely get a rest uh, to sort of settle that uh, that ankle down but yeah apart from that um, yeah it was all it was all pretty much to be as expected for those three I think
1: yeah hardpo's contact was a little bit down wasn't it you normally see him drag people through tackles hit the yeah. ground get up for quick plays I thought that was lacking a little bit well Papppenhausen was generally better than better than not I, I was pretty impressed with his first return especially towards the end of the game I know he had that one chance in the open field where he Hit top speed. And I thought he looked pretty good there. I didn't think he looked too short of a gallop. And Latrell was back, bossing goals over from the sideline, <laughs> just for like candy. Yeah, I thought he was pretty impressive, Latrell. Hey, and I, I just really, you, you, wonder what would happen with the bunnies last year if he was there on grand final day. Whether they would have got home against Penrith, he's, he's just so important to that team. Uh, you know, in terms of the amount that they can create there, they're just a different football team with him there, just physically, spiritually. Emotionally, all that sort of stuff, all of the above. So, yeah, I, I agree with most of your takes there with um with those three guys. So, we'll move on to question number two, and this one is related to Josh Curran. So, after checking out Josh Curran so far, when do you reckon he'll be back at full strength or performance? And do you have any concerns with him moving forward?
0: Yeah, look, th- this was his third week, but third game back, he had a pretty significant MCL injury. We don't tend to see guys get knocked around too much. From the MCL injury itself But I think the Like I guess the thing That I probably didn't take Into account as much either Was the addition of the tibia fracture um, You know that the, Like the tibia is the lower leg bone That's going to cause a lot of inflammation Inflammation And quite a bit of pain Sort of through that rehab process So you're often going to see guys Come back a little bit slower From those um, tibia fractures Especially when it's to do With the joint surface I do have slight concerns With him moving forward Because potentially He might be dealing with some associated soreness with that fracture, but I think he's only going to get better, um, so yeah, he's he's not someone who I, um, who I would think that this is kind of what you've seen from him in the last three weeks is the new normal, I think he is going to improve, uh, but it might not come, you know, till about that five to six weeks post return, which will be in the next kind of two to three weeks.
1: him is he's especially juicy for me from a super coach perspective because he plays on that right edge predominantly at the moment we know historically that that's been a fairly lucrative position to be in running sure sort of that hard underline line outside of Sean Johnson and and Josh Curran has a super coach attractive game as well so I think it'll just be a matter of time before he starts pumping out good scores again question number three Brian we're ripping through these at the moment but this is another question about Luke Keery Where's he at? And this is from Patreon, not my words, but um, from Patreon. Will he retire? The (laughs) R bomb. Is there any any credence to that, or is that a sort of an overblown concern about Luke here at this point in time? Do you think?
0: Yeah, look, I think we addressed this question a couple of weeks ago. Like, everything's on the table at this point, right? Like, he could be back after the buy. He could also retire. I think the one thing I won't rehash on too much of what we said, which was in the long and short of it, is that it's just going to be a fluid situation that Kiri and the medical staff have to talk, like, you know, have to talk through and see where he's at. The interesting thing I wanted to touch on um, is the mental side of things. I know, look, obviously uh, concussion is all brain and and that kind of thing, but also like that psychological side because that's a component that I think not a lot of people – and I've seen actually some criticism where like even it was talked about on some talkback shows and stuff where it's like, oh, you know, he's been – um, you know like he's received medical clearance his c- scans are clear uh, but he's still saying there's headaches there or you know is he just not confident in coming back when you're dealing with concussions like he is that is absolutely going to be a factor <laughs> like you know this is uh, the more we learn about concussion and, and how it affects you in later life the more, you know, informed and, and I guess, you know, concerned players can get with their, their brain health. And so not wanting to come back and play, uh, because they might be hesitant. They might, you know, and you, if you have 2% hesitancy in the NRL, you will, a get smashed and b become much less of a player than you were before. So it might come to a point where he just goes, I just don't want to play anymore because I don't feel comfortable. And that is completely fine because if he's, if his you know psychological state is at that point where he's worried about his brain health that much well all the power to him to you know do what's best for his health and um yeah pull himself out even if all the scans in the world say he's fine um if he's not fine in himself then then good luck to him i think the one interesting thing there would be how medical retirement would be approached because i know players have uh you know received medical retirement for concussion in the past uh but if it ever came to a point where a player was like, psychologically, I can't continue, How, like whether that fit, I think it should fit in to a medical retirement, um, you know, thing to make that clear. But I just wonder whether they've got that written into the, into the protocols.
1: It'd be a very interesting one to think about, wouldn't it? But I guess for Luke here, he's won three comps, hasn't he? He's had a really good career, despite the fact he hasn't had many, many, many games in his career. He's had a really successful career. So, it's an interesting choice if he sort of gets to that point. And one of my good friends who's a very fervent Rooster supporter said, Oh well, if Luke Carey retires, we'll just get Ken Munster when he's off contract and slide him in. And I was like, Yeah, that'd be uh,
0: that'd be right Matt under Burton. the rooster salary right
1: sombrero there. That'd be the way to do it. But yeah, I think that's probably premature at this stage, isn't it, when you think about where he's at in terms of his career, in terms of these sort of injuries. So we'll we'll watch and wait there for Luke and hope hope that he sort of gets what he needs and he can get through and get back out on the field ASAP because the Roosters are still a really good shot this year. They were really good against the Panthers the other night. And as I said earlier, they're probably on the rough end of a few tough decisions <laughs> there. But we'll move to the last question, Brian, because this is the last one we got from Patreon this week. It's talking about injury risk in regards to terrible weather. So wet weather, sloppy fields, muddy sort of tight fields. Are there certain injuries that are more likely in this scenario or is injury risk pretty much about the same?
0: Yeah, I think... This is a really interesting topic, and I won't dive as deep into it as I have, but when, if anybody listens to this pod by going to the link that i put up which is like a link tree slash nrl physio kind of uh, link associated with all my posts you'll see sort of the third option down is actually a link to an article that i've got about playing surface and injury risk uh and it's free it's for everyone to read on patreon because i wanted to kind of i guess bust some myths everyone kind of thinks wet weather oh my god like you know people are gonna do their acls it's you know it's horrible i can't believe they're Playing them on these pitches, blah, blah blah. Now, look, obviously the extremes of any weather condition. So, if it's like a swimming pool, if there's you know potholes everywhere, if there's big puddles, all that kind of stuff. Yes, that can increase injury risk. But the the surface with the highest injury risk is artificial turf, like the hardest, most you know uniform, grippy surface. Because the number one factor that contributes to catastrophic lower limb injuries that being like you know really nasty syndesmosis ligament injuries in the ankle and the knee is friction. Uh, so the more grip, the the better, you know, the quicker you can step and turn, uh, the, the more forces that go through the lower leg. So that's where your big risk is for, um, you know, those kind of major injuries. In terms of wet weather, um, when the turf is a little bit soft and it has a bit of give, a little bit of give is good because that cushions, you know, the forces. It helps with that kind of thing. In these kind of cases Where it is a bit more wet The the biggest risk Is for muscle strain injuries And I think actually That played out And it was something I mentioned earlier With the likes of uh, TPJ And Hammy Selly If that's actually What he's done with his Hammy Is that yeah Just the, the wet weather You're having to grip And push a little bit more Through your feet Because the, the ground's Giving way under you And sliding and stuff like that And so yeah Those muscle strain injuries Are an increased risk In the wet weather But overall it's, uh, yeah, the the highest risk of low limb injury is particularly on, yeah, good surfaces. Good surfaces, good for performance, bad for injury risk. Yeah, nice one. I think you see
1: that a lot in the NFL, don't you, with a lot of those grounds being astroturf. It's almost like that acceleration, deceleration discrepancy, isn't it? When you put your foot in the ground, you can come to a stop a lot quicker and you can get in any cuts a lot quicker. It's just higher force, um, so higher risk of those sort of type of things home.
0: Yeah, 100%. So if anybody, if you want to check it out, it's Linktree, but it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash NRL Physio and then just go to the third link down and that's the article where I've sort of spelled it all out for you um, and, and, yeah, covered all the topics. I'll try, we might try and pop it in there, pop the link in the um, in the episode notes as well. But, uh, yeah, for let's, sure. for let's, sure. let's move on to Supercoach Corner, our resident Supercoach expert, James. I'm sure you've knocked up something really good for for us this week, I need all the help I can get at this stage to make a run at the, the top end. So who have you picked this week for your player of interest?
1: know. So we'll mention a few off the top, Ryan. So I think in terms of mid-range guys that I'm sort of looking at for round 17, I, I've listed Britton Okora and Mitchie Barnett there as sort of second-row options. I've got a couple. I've probably got those two in mind when I'm looking for round 17, but I think at fullback, you just – based on their performance, just gone. You've got to consider Luttrell Mitchell and Ryan Papenhausen, don't you? I think those two guys are just looking like you just got to get them in your team somehow, probably even over James Tedesco. So I was thinking maybe do I roll Luttrell Mitchell and Will Kennedy through fullback for round 17? I think Luttrell could be a, a cover and a hold for the rest of the season. It could be a really nice point of difference there. So they're probably considerations, but the one we're going to talk about the most is future Redcliffe Dolphin, Queensland Spirit icon, Edric Lee. <laughs> Came off a big performance this week. Had five tries on the wing for the Knights. He's obviously put up. He's put up over 170 points. So he's going to have a really little break-even for the next few weeks. Obviously, as I mentioned, future Redcliffe Dolphins. So that's very appealing to yourself. He plays the bye week. He's very, you know, attacking stat-dependent. That's it is what it is. I, I sort of think you know you could almost flick him sideways for um, Jacob. Carr- Raz there at center wing and just roll if you've got the trades up your sleeve there to try and chase a bit of cash there with Edric I think it could make you probably a hundred grand if he scores even averagely in the next couple of weeks and then move him on for someone else to upgrade either second row forward if you're someone with you Aiken or even both firmer but I think Edric's interesting because I think we'll talk about him from an injury point of view so he had a second metatarsal stress fracture that the Knights tried to manage non-operatively for a fairly good amount of time, and it just didn't quite heal when they tried to get him back to running and try and load him up. And then it progressed to a full fracture. Then he sort of, minus, might he had surgery for that and a lengthy rehab, and he came back in the early rounds this year. So he had, it felt like forever off footy. I don't know if it was 12 months or more. It It felt like sort of two years in my head since we've sort of seen him line up for that iconic Game 3 game for the Maroons where we got home against New South Wales there when he was playing outside of Branco Lee the oh, the Lee combination there. Oh, stop what, what do you reckon about Edric there lining up for the Dolphins? Is that just getting getting you very, very, very keen for season 2023?
0: Mate, Edric and Brenko. I I don't even care who we sign between now and then. it's probably not going to be anyone great with the uh, with the form so far of the signings. But I don't even care who signs wingers, centers, whatever. Those two are starting on the same side round one, or I will tear Suncorp Stadium down. Like, come on, we we have to get the Lee cousins in the side on an edge. Score and tries in the same corner that they did for Queensland. Like, you know, it's just, it's all, it's one of the only things that's got me excited for the Dolphins so far is just the Lee cousins. I 100% want to get either a number three or a number five with Lee jersey across the back just to get yes, around the boys. Absolutely. Because, yeah, it's so good. Um, Yeah, look, I, like I think. The unfortunate thing here is he plays on the wing for the Knights. So how many tries are you going to be looking at? I think you pick him up purely for the fact that he's obviously going to rocket in price over the next couple of weeks. Um, I totally agree with you. I think his performance should improve considering he's had 12 months off and he's starting to find his feet again. So that's really positive for him. But yeah, re- a really good cash grab uh, for this week for sure. Uh, so your trade plans this week, you're thinking Luttrell? Yeah, I think, I oh,
1: don't know. I'm sort of maybe even going to go into Cora Barnett and see how Latrell goes next week. I've got to, I'll, I'll flick Japer Caraz out and I'll, I'm sort of thinking to upgrade second row four there. So I might go second row, second row, just using the dual positions there. Then I'll consider who I move on for Latrell Mitchell maybe after um, next round following following things up there. I'm not too sure if I'll, I'll flick him out, but I, I think, Luttrell's probably pretty hard to pass up at this stage, isn't he, mate?
0: Because what type of what type of numbers are you looking at for next round? How many have you got?
1: So far I've got eleven.
0: Okay. And that's a year so, you, so two trades get... will take you to to 13? thirteen. Yeah, yeah, right. I think yep. I'm down at like nine. Uh eight or nine, mm, I think, mm. depending on who gets picked. So yeah, bit of a problem. Uh for me, I think look, these are two guys, Pappy and Pappy and Luttrell who if this is a regulation week, I wouldn't be chasing him Uh, because, yeah, as I said, like as good as Pappy's supercoach score was, I'd probably want to give him a couple of weeks in normal circumstances and for both of them get through that opening two weeks of hamstring injury risk. But yeah, because I'm going to be low on numbers, I just need to shoot for upside. So this is to show you, I guess, that like just because there's injury risk or something like that doesn't mean I always avoid the player like the plague, right? Like I'm still happy to, you know, in certain circumstances bake in some risk. So I actually went a bit hot this week and foresaw that I was going to need to make some big moves this week. So I actually downgraded Talon May to uh, Grant Anderson from the storm to bank like 400 grand or whatever that was uh, and i'm going to use that to go caraz and someone else uh, to pappy and luttrell uh, and yeah yep. see if see if 11 i might be able to get 12 uh, potentially if i use three trades this week which i think we get um so yeah that's that's probably where i'm at shooting for some upside i think i think Latrell's a good captaincy option against newcastle too
1: yeah nice one I wouldn't have anything else to add on top of that I think he he makes a difference there in that team doesn't he he's just a, he's just a different breed he's he's something else with the rabbitos there so that's super coach corner mate
0: cool mate all right uh player interview this week cam king uh yeah, look, I say in the in the pod and, and stuff like that, where I really sort of started, like I always knew Cam as, as a player who was copped his fair share of injuries and stuff like that, but I really started following him um, when he sort of jumped on Twitter and was like getting out on social media, sort of tracking through, I think it was his second ACL rehab. Uh, he wore his heart on his sleeve. He sort of, you know, didn't hold back and sort of showed people, and, and that's the reason why I like to do these things is to give that insight into the person and into the people behind these injuries. They're not just these superstars on our screens. They're not all on, you know, millions and millions of dollars and and get back to to playing and don't suffer injuries again. Uh, And we'll hear from Cam like, yeah, the number can be quite astronomical and we'll run through all those. But, uh, yeah, I just thought once again a valuable chat on uh, on you know what can happen when those injury situations just start to snowball and it can feel like you're you know you're not getting anywhere and cam certainly had times like that but uh yeah he he, he you know self-admittedly he said he really enjoyed his career and and yeah uh i hope you enjoy sort of you know what he went through and how he sort of dealt with uh setback after setback so yeah here's our chat with cam
2: Cameron King's in oh. trouble. King is no good in back play, they're going to have to stop play here. He's a young player of great promise Gus, yeah? He yeah he was. Yeah, had in North a, Queensland. Had a terrible run of injuries. And it's such a shame for Cameron King whose NRL aspirations looked at one stage as if they may have been over. He was pretty much the first player to tear his pec. We sort of got a run of pec injuries after we saw Cameron King get his pec injury in England. And like you said, from there, I think he had a shoulder problem and also a knee problem as well. Let's hope he's okay here and it's simply a concussion.
0: All right, and today I'm really pleased to have Cameron King on the podcast. Uh, Cameron represented Australia at schoolboys and under 20s levels. Uh, was restricted, unfortunately, to just 43 games across nine years in the NRL due to a long list of injuries. Uh, look, we're going to run through most of them today and dive into the major ones, exploring the medical details of the injuries and rehab. But look, we'll also talk about the mental challenges and growth that he achieved over this time. Now, Cam, I, oh, look, I know these might not be the most positive positive Topics to talk about at times, but I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story. So thanks so much for coming on the show.
2: No, nah, no worries, mate. Um, thanks for having me.
0: No, good, mate. So look, we'll start from I guess the early years, uh, like two thousand and probably your first major injury, sort of in and around an NRL club. Just quickly before we get to that one, did you have many injuries, sort of as a kid coming up, or was it only once you sort of got to the Dragons that you faced a few issues?
2: Um yeah, not too much as a kid, just like a broken arm when I was um a teenager. And then yeah, after that I had a couple of minor injuries playing Harlemat Denesh ball but um yeah, getting through two thousand nine I played a lot of school footy and pretty much didn't even get a scrap.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, Well but
2: yeah sort of and
0: it all kicked off yeah mate yeah so look we'll start there 2010 it's your, the first trial game uh you suffer a, a torn ladrum and which requires surgery uh was that something did you pop your shoulder out in the game did you sublux it like how did that um one go down
2: yeah it was um it was like the last five minutes of a trial game um and i just had to put a hit on and i just sort of fell to the ground and people thought i was concussed but I couldn't move because my shoulder was out and I oh, landed really? awkwardly. Um, and then, yeah, sat up and it sort of went straight back in. Um, and it was sore for a bit, but I sort of thought it was okay. Uh, and ended up rehabbing it for about three weeks until round one. Um, and then once round one came about, the doctor said, give it one more week and we'll just get another scan done. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, the decision was made then sort of by the doctor and uh, Wayne Bennett, who was the coach at the time, Uh, just for my longevity i guess was to get the surgery done and um yeah rehab it and go from there
0: yeah it's like especially in those younger like at those younger ages the the evidence is is pretty strong to get surgery for those shoulder dislocations because it can as you said like for your long-term health it can be quite nasty how did you find like you know with that's your first big surgery, first big rehab. How did you find your commitment to rehab as a younger guy? I think a few of the guys, like, you know, we talk about the mental challenges, and I'm sure we'll talk about that as we get sort of further along. But as a young guy, like, I often find a lot of guys say, you know, they, they went okay at it because you kind of feel invincible. You think, you know, you, you, you're going to be all right. Did you kind of have that effect too when you were, like, starting out?
2: Yeah, I was. Um, to be honest, you know, I can't remember it. In too much detail, yeah. but um, I remember just being, I was 18 and um, yeah, sort of, yeah, didn't really know much about rehab at the time yeah, um, and yeah. surgery and stuff like that. So just sort of went with the flow, um, ticked every box along the way and um, yeah, like I didn't have any hiccups with the surgery or the rehab, so just sort of got it done and you know, like everyone says, you know, you're young, you'll be all right. And, yeah. yeah, that's all I really thought of it at the time.
0: Yeah, so, look, you get through that year, like you come back for a, a couple of games at the end of um, end of the year in the 20s, and then you make your NRL debut in the final round. How, like, obviously you probably remember your debut well. How was your shoulder feeling at that point? Were you pretty confident in it?
2: Yeah, it was fine. Um, yeah, I think I played sort of three or four games of 20s before that, and um, the Dragons had locked up the minor premiership the day before, so um ended up getting a call saying I was going to make my debut. And yeah, looking back, you know, I probably wasn't ready um, physically yep. after having a whole year off and just playing a few games of, of twenties. But um, yeah, obviously, it's a, still a special moment for me and uh, making my debut.
0: Oh mate, you, you'd be a brave man to turn down an opportunity like that, even if yeah, you're not one hundred percent. Yeah. So, so into two thousand eleven, like you know, I guess this is where kind of a bit of a cascade. Kicks off. You playing the World Club Challenge. Uh, you play really well. Score a try, but you manage to tear your right pack. Uh, you know, like obviously the uh, the other side to to the previous shoulder. Did that kind of knock you around a bit? I mean, talk me through sort of that day. Um, you know, you you're playing a pretty big game, and to have such a significant setback must have been pretty nasty.
2: Yeah, it's um it's funny how life works because I wasn't even meant to go on that trip. Um, I wasn't named in the squad initially. The night before they left, um, someone hurt their shoulder in a trial game. So then after that game, I got called into the sheds by Wayne and he said, pack your bags, you're going to England tomorrow. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I sort of thought I was just making up the numbers with that trip. Um, and then, yeah, on like the Thursday, got told that I was going to play and come off the bench. Um, I, was, I was only 19 at the time, so was obviously really excited to be able to spend some time with all those senior guys and um, yeah just I, don't know, I sat on the bench for the whole first half um, the conditions were quite cold it was February over in the UK so maybe that had a factor I'm not too mm-hmm. sure uh, yeah and then just scored a try and we kicked the ball downfield and I just went to tackle the fullback that was running across the field and he sort of fended me off uh, and my arm sort of just slung and sort of landed on the ground on my elbow um, and then- yeah I felt this sort of pop, but I didn't know what it was because my shoulder felt okay. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I went to run back in the line and went to make a tackle uh, a couple of tackles later and couldn't grip onto anything. And then uh, the next set, the physio just said run off. And then sort of did the test where just put my hands on my hips and squeezed. Um, and then, yeah, there was nothing there. So obviously ruptured it off the bone. And, um, yeah, I remember being pretty upset in the sheds because of what I'd been through the year before, Yeah. Um, and then yeah, sort of didn't know too much about pecs, and there wasn't too many torn pecs at the time. Uh, but yeah, sort of went from there, and uh, yeah, I was pretty pretty upset for the rest of the trip. Oh, I I mean, obviously man. came home and, and got the surgery done. So yeah,
0: yeah. How did you find? Like you've obviously rehabbed, uh, you know, a, a joint. At this point, and now you've got surgery and then rehab of a tendon. Did you find sort of, I mean, I know I'm testing your memory here, but did you find any significant kind of differences? I guess, um, you know, rehabbing a tendon versus rehabbing a joint was one sort of more frustrating than the other. How did you, how did you know um,
2: that? Yeah, I remember the pest being a little bit slower. Yep. Um, everything just being slower. Um, obviously, the tendon's pretty important, so you can't push it too hard, too early. Um, you need the tendon to get their strength back before you start, you know, bench pressing and, yeah. and push ups and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of the rehab, it was sort of similar, climbing to the shoulder. Yeah. So it wasn't more frustrating in that sort of way. I yeah. think it was just a bit of a slower process.
0: Yeah, and an interesting part, I guess, here for people who sort of maybe pay a bit more attention to it with me sort of, you know, posting about things these days. But I went back and checked. So for you in that year, it was a 23-week return to play. And look at around that time, so this is 2011. It, it, as you said, not many pecs around, tears, but it was a pretty yeah. standard kind of five- to six-month return to play. So your 23 weeks was pretty standard, right? That was what most guys were doing. But now, like, very consistently NRL players are getting back in that 10 to 14-week range, which it's it's one of the, you know, I guess the injuries in the last 10 years that has just gone... F- we see a lot more of them now, um, but also the rehab surgery and that kind of thing has gotten better. I think jumping forward... F- for you like obviously you were within NRL systems and footy clubs sort of you know right up until 2020 did you see any guys sort of in the latter stages of your career go through pec rehabs and notice any big changes in their like the rehab approach or sort of how quickly they were doing things compared to how you did it back in 2011
2: um yeah I'm not too sure whether I was with anyone while they did a pec rehab but yeah like you said just from from looking from you know 2011 till now, you see like when guys do a pec, that just used to be season like it used to be sort yep. of same as a knee, um, yeah. Whereas now when they say you know 12 to 14 weeks, I just yeah, I think it's crazy. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's awesome. Like it's awesome that how far we've come. Yeah, definitely. Obviously the surgery's gotten better and the rehab, like you said, but um, yeah. And then you know guys with partial pec tears as well can sort of just come back within a month. Like, yeah, that's pretty crazy as well to me.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely... Um, it's that, along with the synesmosis injury, are probably the two that have just gone from strength to strength in the last sort of five to ten years. Um, Look, this is relying on, and I never like to rely on media reports, especially back that far, but I'll throw the question at you and you can let me know if it's wrong. But what they had was an interesting sort of component was on the 22nd of February of 2011, you re-signed for a further two years with the Dragons and then the 29th of February, so a week later, was the World Club Challenge. So I know it's like if that, is legit. I like I know it would be little consolation, but after the disappointment of another significant injury, did that kind of I guess financial or job security help with your mental side of things at all, like having that, you know, security for the next couple of years?
2: Yeah, I think um I think I had one more year left and then sort of got extended for another one, which yep. obviously made it two. Um, and then yeah, I guess that was a bit of face change by the club. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, like being a young guy coming off back-to-back sort of uh, season-ending surgeries just about, um, I guess it was a nice feeling just to know that you are still wanted and still um, valued as someone at the club and, you know, who can still get back and play some good footy. Yeah,
0: definitely, mate. Yeah, I think um, I've spoken to a few guys and, you know, when especially when you're suffering injuries in around that, you know, not having a contract or coming to the end of the contract, that can just add a little bit of an extra, I guess, stressor to it. Uh, but, you yeah, look, as I said, 23-week return to play. You come back and you play the last five games of of that year in the 20s again. Um, once again, I always like to ask, do, do you remember sort of how you felt on return from the peck? Like, that's two significant injuries in a row. Did you have any sort of mental, you know, know, things in the back of your mind where you're a bit, I, I guess, hesitant or, or you're still young and felt pretty
2: confident? Uh, yeah, I felt pretty confident. Yep. Um, I got a lot stronger during that rehab. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I felt pretty good when I got back and was playing. Um, yeah, I didn't play any first grade that year, but, yeah, played sort of four or five games of 20s um, to finish the year, which sort of gave me a bit of confidence leading into the next year.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and then 2012, you got a uh, broken thumb in round four, surgery, eight weeks. Then you sort of in and out of first grade. Uh, then you do another medial MCL, uh, that five weeks as well. Uh, like, I guess, pretty frustrating, you know, just these little injuries that uh, knocking up after having sort of a couple of years of big injuries, yeah?
2: Yeah, it's just, um, I just sort of couldn't get going. You know, we'd have a game here and there and you know, you try and do as much as you can in those games and um, sort of wear yourself out, sort of thing. But yeah, my first game of the year was I think round four, and I smashed my thumb on um one of my teammates head just before half time, and then I was walking off and I had I felt an ache in my thumb, um, and I looked down and my thumb was about the size of a tennis ball, mm. so I knew there was an issue there and shrugged it up and sort of played 20 minutes after half time, and then got it scanned after the game and yeah, needed some plates and screws put in there. Um, and then, yeah, later in the year, I was just in and out of first grade and uh, did my medial and just sort of felt like I was taking one step forward and two steps back at the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and 2013, I guess it kind of doesn't ease up again. You, another medial, I think um, you ended up having sort of four or five MCL injuries across your career. Uh, so that cost you six weeks. And then... In round fifteen, your right shoulder injury uh, look like I think. Talk me, talk us through this one because you kind of you know sent me through some details and said that it wasn't like a very obvious one, like your like your first one. Like you, it was kind of you didn't get found till the next day. So how did that sort of process play out?
2: Yeah, I um, I made a tackle um, against the Panthers on the trial line, and uh, my arm just went dead and just felt like a really bad stinger. Um, And I got up and sort of played 15, 20 minutes after that. And then in the second half, I came off, and as I cooled down, it was sort of starting to get a bit sore. And then I think someone got injured um, in the last sort of 15 minutes, and I went back on. Um, And my shoulder was pretty sore, but I got through the game okay. That's why I wasn't too worried about it. Um, And I remember driving home from the game, it was just aching and it had ice on, which is pretty standard after you get a sort of stinger anyway. Um, and then, yeah, the next morning at recovery, uh, went to do some swimming and I still felt pretty good when I woke up, um, had a bit of a sore neck and a sore shoulder, but could still sort of, um, feel like it was okay. And then, yeah, we went to do some swimming in the pool. Uh, and I just, I couldn't lift it. I couldn't do freestyle. I just had to do some breaststroke and the physio was sort of saying, um, you yeah, know, we might have to get it looked at because I, I couldn't lift it above my head at all. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, sort of went to get a scan, and then I remember driving home from Wollongong, uh, maybe a day or two later, and the doctor called me, and yeah, told me that it was pretty bad and, and needed a full reco. So um, that was just it sort of caught me off guard, and I was pretty surprised, but um, at the same time, was pretty pretty disappointed and frustrated too. Yeah,
0: and I think that's kind of what I wanted to ask about this particular injury is you know you think it's a stinger like uh, a lot of the time when you suffer a big injury and especially you've suffered you know an injury to your shoulder where you've required a reconstruction prior to this so this time around you think it's a stinger you go get scans. It's it turns out it's something a lot worse. Was that a big hit to you, like your confidence that like it required surgery? I mean, yeah, as I said, it must have been pretty unexpected. Uh, does that does that kind of play on your mind a little bit moving forward, where you are like, oh, I didn't even you know didn't even expect that?
2: Yeah, it was. Um, like I said, I was driving home and just sort of pulled over once the phone rang, and yeah, I just remember crying on the way home after that because. 2013 was the first year I sort of felt um, like an established first grader. Yeah, I still hadn't played many games, but I think before that shoulder surgery was the most games I played in a row, and that was six. Yep. You know, so I was just felt like I was starting to fly on my feet and feel like I belong in first grade. And then, yeah, obviously, like you said, um, I didn't think it was too bad. And then, yeah, there was a fair bit of damage in there. So the, the control was sort of taken out of my hands, and, um, yeah, I had to get it done.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so now we move on to two thousand fourteen. That's your move to the Cowboys. Uh what was the I guess the reasoning behind that? Like you kinda of had you've obviously had a couple of tumultuous years injury wise. Uh was there just sort of more opportunity at the Cowboys at that point? How did you how did you view that move?
2: Yeah, so I was still contracted um at the Dragons for yeah. twenty fourteen, but um Cowboys reached out halfway through twenty thirteen about a mid-year move and um, at the time I was sort of playing first grade at Dragons and I wanted to stay there. So I turned that down um, and then, yeah, after getting the shoulder operation, I don't know, my mindset sort of changed and I sort of felt like I needed a fresh start. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we reached out to the Cowboys to see if there might still be an option there and there was. So um, ended up getting released from the Dragons and, and heading up to Townsville.
0: Yeah mate look it was um you know <laughs> I guess it, unfortunately it didn't uh, it didn't last long in terms of staying away from injury because you you have a I guess a me another MCL sprain which cost you around 5 weeks uh but then your second game for the Cowboys this is where uh, you know the the one of the biggest injuries NRL players suffer you suffer an ACL injury it's you know right before full time I guess took me through this injury did like yeah how, how did you how did you feel when it went down did you did you know it was pretty significant straight away uh,
2: yeah like I you um, know same again I I don't know if it has anything to do with it like nervous energy like I sat on the bench for the whole first half yeah uh, and yeah got my opportunity sort of 10 minutes into the second half and that um, yeah, was my second game for the club so it was obviously pretty you know, pretty um, up for it and wanted to, you know, do the best that I could and uh, was playing really well, uh, feeling pretty good, feeling confident. Um, and then, yeah, I think there was maybe five minutes left and we were having a really good um, – we had a good lead. Like, we are going to win the game and I went to kick pressure. I think it was Mitchell Pierce, Um And then, yeah, he just tried to step me and just changed direction. And, you know, I just felt this the biggest, sharpest pain I've ever felt. Um, and I knew it was pretty bad after that. And the commentators weren't too sure because my, my shoulder touched Mitchell Pierce. So they thought it might have been a shoulder injury. Ah, uh, right. Um, yeah, but obviously my change of direction, I'd done my knee and then I tried to reach out to him at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I knew that it was pretty bad. It was obviously my first ATL, but, um, yeah, I just knew that, that something wasn't right.
0: Yeah, and uh, how did the, I guess, the medical staff approach it in terms of, I always find that interesting, did they kind of let you know pretty quickly that they thought it was the ACL? Was there any sort of hope there moving into scans that maybe you'd avoided the big one?
2: Um, No, they knew straight away. Like, obviously, the physio and that came out on the field. Um, I think the doctor came out as well, Uh, had a test of it, and I sort of knew by talking to them what was going on. I remember just sitting on the field, like they told me it, and I just sat on the field for about 30 seconds. Like, I just, yeah, I was pretty upset. Yeah. And then, yeah, obviously, they had another look at it in the sheds after the game and, and sort of confirmed it. So, um, I was just really disappointed because I went up there, you know, for a fresh start and yeah. trying and establish myself as a first grader again. And, yeah, I just didn't go to plan.
0: And so surgery, uh, you've had many surgeries before at this point. Obviously, as we spoke about the, you know, the shoulders, you've had the pec, you've had the thumb, uh, these kind of things. How did you find the ACL surgery itself and then sort of the immediate rehab?
2: Yeah, obviously, it's a a big surgery. It's probably, you know, the biggest one you can get in our game. So um, it was a struggle, to be honest, just like everything being taken away, like not being able to put weight on it. Um, and I had a hamstring graft as well. So I took a big chunk of my hamstring, which yeah. um, made that pretty tender as well and had to be careful not to damage that. Um, so yeah, it was just sort of, in the short term, you just don't think you're going to be able to play footy again. Yeah. Like you can't even walk, you can't even get out of bed. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was definitely a, a learning curve and uh, yeah, just sort of, not look, to look too far ahead with it, just sort of take it day by day and pick off some little goals along the way.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I read one interview in sort of doing my research over the last couple of days that you described it as kind of one of the toughest years of your footy career and even your life up until that point. Was that kind of, I guess, like there's obviously a culmination of all the setbacks you've had so far, but... Was it also anything to do with you're, you're up in North Queensland now? As you say, you kind of went up there for a fresh start. You've had this significant setback. Like, how were your, I guess, your support networks at that stage? How, how did you feel like what I sort of led to it being one of the toughest years? Like, obviously, the ACL, but were there other factors as well?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, a few things. I think, like I said, I, I came up here for a fresh start and, um, to to be taken away so quickly uh, really hurt. and I still, I had another year to go on my contract but, you know, I was 23 years old and thinking that that might be it. Um, and I guess that's a short-term uh, reaction as well from surgery, like the pain you're in and not being able to walk. Yeah. A lot like goes through your mind with that sort of stuff. Uh, I was lucky, like my mum and my sister had moved up to Townsville as well. Uh, so I had that support around me, but yeah, being away from, you know, other family and, and good friends and, um, you know, I was, I was obviously good mates with everyone in the Cowboys team and staff, but, you know, I'd only known them sort of six months. So, yeah, uh, yeah just to have not had the support of my good mates from, you know, back down in Sydney, that sort of thing, um, just made it all, yeah, all really hard. So I guess a few factors, uh, went into just making it a really tough time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and that's as soon as I sort of read that interview, it it definitely it made sense. Uh, sort of you know seeing the situation that you'd been in, sort of outside of the injury, I guess as well. Uh, so leading into you know work like rehab through 2014, leading into 2015. Uh, like how did you feel on return? I think this is a big one, sort of coming back from an ACL. You've obviously had a lot of injury setbacks. I know I've asked this question a few times already, but particularly surrounding ACLs. Uh, you know the mental. I guess factors, uh, confidence coming back can be just as big as a physical. Do you remember how you felt um, coming back in that 2015 season?
2: Yeah, I was. Um, I remember being pretty nervous, but I'd had a lot of time, so I think I didn't play my first game until I was about uh, maybe ten and a half months post okay. post-op, which is you know it's a pretty long time. Yeah, definitely. The guys can come back in sort of eight or nine months, so it just so happened I did it mid-year. Obviously, got through the pre and and didn't play again until first trial. So, yep. yeah, I remember being um, probably as nervous as I've been for a long time for a yeah. game. Um, just wanted to, you know, as bad as it sounds, you just want to get through it. Um, you don't really care if what else happens. You just want to get through it. So, um, I, I think I played sort of 30, 40 minutes um, in a, against the Broncos in a trial game and, um, yeah, got through it fine. So, was really happy and... Um, that, uh, that um, rehab was the first time that I've been able to do upper body. So I've obviously had a lot of shoulder reco Oh, yeah, so, of course, yeah. Um, I had, it was a good chance for me. I got a lot stronger in the gym, um, felt a lot fitter, um, and, and that obviously helped my confidence with my shoulders and you know playing the game as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, and um, I I think this is you know like really disappointing once again. You, you suffer a lateral meniscus tear in that ACL knee in two thousand and fifteen. I guess we like I'm interested in this because meniscus tears can be a bit worrisome, especially when you're suffering them in a in a knee that you've got an ACL injury in prior. When you suffered it, were you a bit nervous that maybe you damaged the ACL?
2: Yeah, this one, um, it, was a bit, it was a bit funny, hey, because um, over about a four-week period, my knee was getting sore after games. Okay. Um, and there was a little pinch here and there. It was lateral. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be fine. I'd ice it after a game, and I'd be, get through the week of training fine, and then after a game, I'd be a little bit sore. And then after about four weeks, one game, like, I could barely walk after a game. Right. But it seemed to settle down really quick. Um, and I remember the, the next week at training, we had an afternoon session um, and I got up in the morning and went for a bike ride. Um, I went home, had an afternoon sleep, and then I woke up for training and, and I couldn't walk. Oh, shit. Um, and I had to call a physio, I said, mate, like, I don't know what's going on. I went for a bike ride this morning and I can't walk. Um, so yeah, we obviously sent off for a scan then and had a pretty decent lateral meniscus tear. Um, it wasn't anything to be worried about, and, and I hadn't done anything to make me worry about my ACL. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: and that was, that, that was like, yeah. because you can get it. Like, you can have the meniscus sort of damaged either way, right? It, is, it can come on sort of over time, like you're describing there, or you can have those yeah. kind of one-off moments, and that's what I was wondering, whether you had that or not.
2: Yeah, no, nah, so I didn't have that, so I wasn't worried about it, and I didn't know too much about the meniscus uh, at the time, to be honest, so once he told me that, and um, yeah, it's sort of the risk if you don't get it fixed up and sort of lead to ACL uh, pressure. So, yeah, yeah, ended up getting getting a clean out done on that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and, yeah, so you finish up your, I, I guess, you like that part of your career at the Cows and 2016 moved down to Para. I think relatively, from what I could find, 2016 wasn't too bad if for you injury-wise. Is that right?
2: Um, yeah, I had, you know, a couple of little things, um, I had a bruised sternum, um, and I had a bit of a scare, like I hyperextended my ACL knee in the oh, game, yeah, right. um, and I just landed on it awkwardly and, yeah, hyperextended it pretty bad, and, um, uh, at the time I was a bit worried because it sort of got swollen and it blew up pretty quick, similar to when I did my ACL. Yeah. Um, so I was a little bit worried about that, but ended up getting scanned and and it was all clear. Just I missed a couple of weeks just because of fluid in my knee.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, apart from that, I, I played a lot of footy that year, um, just in the reserve grade at Parramatta.
0: Yeah, nice. And like that's obviously, I guess, one of the better years. Then we go to 2017. Uh, you get back to the shoulders again, and another labrum tear in the left shoulder at the back of the shoulder. I think. I didn't I I couldn't find anywhere. Did did you need surgery for that one or was that more just like you rehabbed it?
2: Yeah, no, that was just um like a bit of wear and tear through the year and um there was a couple of games where sort of as I was taking my boots off after a game, like I had no strength in the back of my shoulder. Um and I thought it was a bit strange and I could sort of feel it, maybe it was trying to pop out the back, but I wasn't too sure. Um and I, like I, I could get three games okay, but then the next couple of days it'd be pretty sore. Um, and then push through, and then at the end of the season, got it scanned, and there was a minor tear there at the back. But uh, obviously, the, the back's not as um, not as bad as the front yeah, not with as the bad labrum. Person. So yeah, yeah so um, put together a rehab program and, and rehabbed it in the off season, and um, yeah, avoided surgery, which was good.
0: Yeah, definitely. The more you can avoid it, the better. But how, how did you feel, like, jumping sort of over the next couple of years in regards to your shoulder? How do you feel your shoulder went over the next couple of years sort of without, well, with that tear in there, without the surgery? Do you think the rehab program worked well?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, at the time it, it did, and um, I got through the next year fine, and um, I went and played for a year over in the UK in 2019, and I heard it there again and probably, you know, didn't, didn't have the rehab or the resources over there to look after as well. Um, but, yeah, during my playing career, it, it was okay, and, and I got through it.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, th- this is one uh, sort of – we spoke a little bit before this about your injuries. This is one that I, I found sort of in my research, so I'm throwing at you, uh, side unseen. But uh, in 2018, you had a pretty nasty concussion. I mean, I'd just started sort of my NRL physio stuff at, at this stage, so I – it was one that I had tracked and, and sort of was a bit concerning at the time. They they seemed to be pretty concerned, not only for the concussion, but for your neck as well. Like, what's your memories of this incident? Did you feel concerned at any point? Like, obviously your memory might be a little bit hazy about it, like around the concussion, but did you have any concerns sort of neck-wise uh, after that incident?
2: Um. Yeah, I remember the incident you're talking about. Um, I don't remember too much about it. I think it was was a pretty nasty one. Um, but I do remember at the time sort of when I was able to speak to someone saying that my neck was sore. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty, it was a pretty big hit. Um, and so obviously my neck would have jolted a little bit, but obviously with with that stuff, it's precautionary. So, um, as soon as I said sore neck, obviously they take all the precautions, which is great. So, um, yeah, I remember, uh, I probably shouldn't have, uh, but I remember playing, I think I played six days later.
0: Yeah, that was um, going to be my next have, question, Things actually. have changed. Yeah,
2: yeah <laughs> things have changed since then. But, um, you know, I just established myself as a starting booker at Parramatta. And, yep. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I, you know, I passed all the protocols during the week. Don't yep. get me wrong, there was nothing um, no. done wrong. Um, all my headaches had gone and things like that. And I remember Brad Arthur saying that he wanted to give me a rest. Um, and to be honest with him, and, and I said, look, I, I feel okay, and, and I want to play, and, yeah, we did that, and I got through, you know, the next game fine. So, yeah, I guess it's, it's one of those things, looking back, you know, I probably should have taken a week off.
0: Yeah, I mean, I speak to a lot of guys sort of in around those earlier years, I guess, you know, before all the, um, you know, they're they're obviously a lot stricter about it these days. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's why we're moving, you know, in the right direction is to have a little bit more caution around them. So it's, you know, it's really good that that's that's the way it's heading. Uh, 2019 over to the Fev Rovers, mate. Uh, like talk me through how that went for you because I remember I think at the end of 2018 you posted something on Twitter like, you know, uh, uh, here I am, uh, you know, fit hooker, ready to ready to play. <laughs> Is there anyone out there? Yeah. How did that all go down?
2: Yeah, no, it was um, it's a funny story to tell that one. Um, looking back, you know, not not silly, but yeah, just at the time I was really frustrated because I felt like I still had plenty to give and
0: yeah,
2: um, there wasn't much movement. You know, with with the clubs around, so that was more of a at the time I did it was a bit of a joke. And, yeah, um, yeah. I went to the gym, and then yeah, two hours later, I looked at my phone, and it had blown up, and there was people trying to call me from everywhere. So, um, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. I was I was pretty close to actually signing with um, Newtown Jets. Oh yeah. Um, and then yeah, this opportunity came up to head overseas, and um, I knew the coach that was going to be heading over there as well, and. Yeah, decided to pack up and,
0: you know, go try something different. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And how did you find, I guess, like, you know, we're we're talking injuries and rehab and that kind of thing. You you hurt your shoulder and you mentioned there. Did you find any big differences around, like, the medical staff and rehab staff, like NRL, compared to the Fev Rovers? And and worth mentioning for people who might not know, the Fev Rovers are sort of in that league, uh, like, below the Super League at that point in time.
2: Yeah, so they play in the championship, which is yep. essentially just a reserve grade competition in the UK. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was very different. Um, I've gone from being full time for you know seven or eight years to um, going over there, training you know Tuesday, Thursday night at six o'clock in the freezing cold. <laughs> um, we had, like we had some some good start members there who had uh, you know been to uni and done all the courses. Yep. But um, you know, like you said, it's reserve grade in the UK. So it's obviously going to be a, a, a drop down in level. Um, but, yeah, I felt really fit when I went over there. I trained really hard before that. Yep. Um, and, yeah, sort of got through the year pretty good. I, uh, I had a syndesmosis injury uh, sort of mid-year and probably didn't get the rehab or um, any scans or anything done. And it's still pretty... Um, I don't have much range in that ankle today due to that.
0: Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Uh,
2: and then, yeah, so I did it on a Sunday and then they tried to make me run on a Tuesday and I went and changed direction and my foot felt like it was going to fall off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that well, I probably didn't look after that one too well. Um, I hurt my shoulder in the game two over there and um, it was pretty sore for a couple of weeks after the game, but got through that okay. Um, and then, yeah, the last regular game of the year I had a, another actually good really bad concussion, um, which, yeah, had to be stretched off again. And I had headaches and dizziness for about three or four weeks with that one. So that oh, was wow. pretty scary. Oh,
0: yeah, big time. And did you – were they kind of only the only two big concussions, kind of that one over there and, and, and then the one we talked about previously? Or did you have any others as um,
2: well? I think I had one more uh, really bad one in the Charity Shield game, maybe 2012. Okay. Um, yeah, I think they were sort of my big – big ones where I had to sort of get stretched off.
0: Yeah, but no, uh, like even with this most recent one, 2019, no sort of lingering stuff. Now it's pretty all good.
2: Um, yeah, it's pretty good. It was, um, it was a bit scary cause a couple weeks before that I had sort of a, I guess you'd say it was a head knock, but I wasn't concussed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Sub concussive blow then, is what they call yeah,
2: it. Yeah. And then we, um, we played a game and I, sort of blurred out a little bit. And I remember being on the bus home and the boys were talking about the game and I had no idea what they were talking about. Oh, yeah, geez. Yeah, so that was a little bit scary. And then two weeks after that, I got um, hit in the head. And I didn't think it was that big at the time, but that was the one that had to be stretched off and had headaches for about a month. So um, I guess sort of over that couple of weeks, maybe it built up and that was the last blow that sort of hurt me.
0: Yeah, the final straw. Did you, uh, once again, that that age-old question, did that play in your mind when you went back to footy? Were you a bit more hesitant going into contact or it wasn't too bad?
2: Um, Yeah, that one sort of rocked me a little bit um, because I did it just before the finals and then the boys played three weeks of finals and then I came back and played in the grand final. Um, So that was my first game back. Yeah, right. I was a little bit hesitant. I felt okay the week before that. Um, I was actually named to play, but... I couldn't pass the, um, the concussion test, like the computer and, um, your know, sort of reaction ones and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I had to actually go see a doctor the week of the grand final and get cleared medically to say, you know, I felt good. Um, it's just that, yeah, you know, these tests that I'm doing, I can't get as good of a score as my baseline. Yep. Um and then yeah I mean once the game started I felt okay but obviously my first
0: couple of tackles and I felt pretty nervous yeah a bit nervous going into it. All right, mate. So back to Australia now. Uh, back to the Sharks in 2020 with a one-year deal. And mate, I remember this one almost yeah just as as fresh as anything because I I, I still remember the message I got. From one person, I guess, you know, it's a it's a trial game. So there's not a heap of people, you know, like paying too much attention to it. But I usually, you know, in my role, get a fair few messages when someone suffers an injury in a game or whatever. And I still remember the message came through from someone saying, oh, Cam King's just gone down pretty heavily here. And pulled it up and, and mate, just straight out of the textbook. Uh, ACL, yeah. you know, changing direction, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Did you know? You, you must have known straight away, I assume.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I knew straight away it was. Um, yeah, it was pretty devastated. I was really. That uh, was hard because I came back from the UK. I was really unfit. Um, the Sharks had got me there to sort of help uh, Blake Braley, who had just sort of come into first grade. Yep. Um, and I really thrived in that role. Obviously, I was a bit older now, since you know, since I came through, and um, yeah, I was really enjoying that role of helping him out. Um, you know, the plan was for me to play reserve grade and help these young guys come through. And, yeah. um, you know, it was Blake's first year of first grade, so if he needed a break or if his body was banged up, then I was there sort of ready to go. Yep. Um And, yeah, you know, it's easy to say after pre-season, but I probably felt the fittest and the strongest I've felt in a very long time. Yeah. Because um, I knew I had to put in the work because I was unfit. And, yeah, I got back down to probably the lightest I'd been Um, In 10 years I got down to 88 kilos Um, Yeah Felt fast And strong And You know Like I said First trial game um, Second half Just Got a quick play of the ball Went to take a run And um, Yeah Went to step someone And yeah Just got sniped And and I knew exactly What happened straight away
0: Yeah mate And it's something That I remember Like obviously Like being a footy fan I'd kind of followed Your career up until that point But Like This was a a stage where I really started paying attention to sort of what you were doing because I really respected how you approached. like obviously it's a really hard time for you but I remember you posted a tweet at the time and I went back and pulled it up because I did sort of want to read it out so you said it's still sinking in that my season is over it's been hard to accept what's happened and I'd be lying if I said I'm okay I'm taking things one day at a time and determined not to let this defeat me physically or mentally. Thank you for all the support. Now, the reason I wanted to sort of read that out is that, like, I really respected you showing that, I guess, that vulnerability. And that's something, you know, a reason that I, you know, started this pod and started talking to players is just talking about the human behind that superstar image that everyone sees on screen and it's not something that happens often. I really thought it was an amazing thing to do. And do you feel like it helped you, I guess, sort of through the process to kind of put that stuff out there?
2: Yeah. Uh, Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I think uh, obviously how I'm feeling at the time is um, short term. Yeah. There's no point jumping on Ren and Raven and saying, you know, poor me or how frustrated you are because, you know, people already know that. That's right. Um, But, yeah, I guess, you know, I know that, um, you know, a lot of people um, have enjoyed, you know, seeing me through my career come back from injury. So I guess I've always had that support around me. And, Um, yeah, it it was a tough night. I remember um, just sitting in the hotel room in obviously Papua New Guinea uh, with Scott Sorensen, who was my roommate. And I know Scotty, we went to high school together. But, yeah, we just sat up, just talking all night. I was in a fair bit of pain. Um, couldn't sleep, so I was just sitting up. Um, sort of told each other our life stories, to be honest. And then, yeah, before I knew it, the sun was up and uh, it was time to get on the plane and, and head home. But,
0: um,
2: yeah, I guess I've always sort of um, tried to be a nice person and um, I guess that sort of shows the way people sort of reached out to me as well once I once it was confirmed that uh, that's what had happened
0: oh yeah big time mate and I think that comes across in you know how you've you know carried yourself through all these challenges and then, I mean, you go on here and this is once again where oh, I just thought it was really cool and, and amazing what you're doing. You kind of started to document your rehab progress on social media, sort of showing others. And, and once again, I think that's a really valuable thing for people who are out there going through similar things to see someone in your position, you know, going through similar stuff. Did, did you find that once again, that was a good thing to do for yourself? Just kind of document that that process?
2: yeah it was um I actually really enjoyed that process i yeah. I was hesitant to do it because um uh, you know obviously I'm not a, a big superstar player or anything like that and um uh, you know, I didn't know how many people would um you know follow that journey, but once I started it, um yeah people reached out and you know I get messages from you know people all over just asking you know giving some advice and things and asking for certain exercises that I was doing and um, and that—that's what I found the best was just starting those conversations with people who, you know, aren't aren't as lucky to have, you know, NRL quality physios and training facilities and, and stuff like that. So um, that was really good to help take my mind off things as well, and um, you know, made me, you know, not just sit around and say poor me, but I was able to help out some other people um, along the way as well, which was yeah pretty satisfying.
0: That's awesome, mate, and and that's what I saw in it, right? I, I I saw you like you know doing that, and I know as you say, not a lot of people sort of think about that kind of stuff, but it can be a really valuable tool. It's all about that support network, right? And that's that provides you with that, I guess, uh, an e- external support network. But uh, yeah, I really respected what you did then, man. So well done, because I, I'd love to yeah. see more more players do it. That's for sure. Uh, talking about the medical side just quickly so another hamstring graft but you also had the lateral extraarticular tenodesis which is a long you know mouthful of a, of a terminology but effectively what happens there is they take an extra tendon and they place it sort of around the knee to help provide extra rotational support you had the meniscus tear as well there as well. How did you find, this is obviously a, a bit more of a significant surgery than your first one even, how, how did you find recovery
2: from that one? Yeah, it was, um, I didn't know too much about that, the extra surgery, uh, but Wade Graham had it, I think the year or two before me uh, from the same surgeon. So I was able to sort of pick his brain about it and he said that it was, um, yeah, just, an extra bit of support for the knee, so sort of you have to get through that to get through the ACL. So um with that extra support, obviously I you know, was keen on that. So that was good to be able to pick Wade's brain with that. Yeah. Um but yeah this one was a little bit different because I had to keep it straight in the brace for six weeks. Yeah. Uh, with that extra surgery. So I didn't need to do that the first time. So that was probably the most challenging part was that six weeks and not being able to wait there as quickly as just a normal ACL. Um, so, yeah, that was – and then the, but the rehab went smoothly. Um, once I got out of the brake, pretty much ripped straight in because it's obviously – it's already been six weeks. Yeah. Um, so it's already had that time to heal for six weeks. So um, was able to sort of start getting into it straight away. And um, it obviously wasn't ideal that the competition was shut down with COVID as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of me going into training and doing that sort of stuff, I was pretty limited, but I was still able to go into the club three times a week and get physio and, um, you know, just work on some new exercises that I could do at home. So the, I guess the start of the rehab was, was pretty slow, but uh, once the season got back on track, I was in every day and was, um, yeah, able to start putting in the work.
0: That's awesome, mate. And then... I guess you spoke about it there, sort of talking to Wade Graham, you know, being able to pick his brain. Uh, Another guy who I spoke to on this podcast a couple of weeks ago is is Kyle Stanley, and I think, uh, you know, I spoke to Kyle about the relationship you guys have and had through both your injury struggles. You guys have known each other since you were young. Can you talk to me about that relationship and how you kind of helped each other through the tough times from your perspective?
2: Yeah, I um, actually got the chance to listen to that podcast and that was a really good um, insight to his career. Um, yeah, but, I mean, Cole's my best mate. We've been best mates since we were 15. Um, so we've sort of been there right next to each other through the whole process. Um, and I think for me, like the first time I realised, you know, how amazing he is is when I did my first meet at um, the Cowboys. Because so he'd obviously been through uh, probably three or four at the yeah. time. Um, and that was my first one. Like, I'd been through three shoulders before that, but after doing my first ACL rehab, I just messaged him. I said, mate, you're, you're a rock star. Like, what you've done and what you've got through. Um, and then, yeah, like, he knows, he knows how much respect I have for him and, yeah. and the relationship that we have. So um, it's been good. Obviously, not good, um, not ideal situation, but we've been able to uh, yeah. help each other through probably, yeah, you know, since we were 15 years old. Been, faced a lot of adversity together um, and help get each other through it as well because there's definitely days where you don't want to talk to anyone, but uh, we knew that we could always talk to each other.
0: That's awesome, man. And that's, as I said, it's all about that support network and I think that that's a common theme coming through talking to to guys is that when they struggle is when they don't lean on that support network, when they don't kind of have those people to talk to. So the fact that you guys, you know, you obviously both uh, faced significant yeah, significant injury challenges to have each other that you could turn to it must have been really valuable.
2: Yeah, yeah, it has been. And um, yeah, we're, we're still best mates to this day. And um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm the godfather to his kids and he's to mine. So um, it's a relationship that I'll have forever.
0: That's awesome, mate. That's awesome. So it's after this ACL injury that. You make a decision on retirement, at least from the NRL. When did you make that kind of call during the process? Is that something that you kind of knew straight away? Is it something that you got into your rehab and and thought about three, four months down the track? How did that play out?
2: Um, yeah, it's tricky because I think I remember that, that night after I did it um, in Papua New Guinea, I I was done. Like, yeah. In my head, I was probably done. Yep. Uh, But like I've said before, you know, that's a a short term, you know, that's an immediate reaction to something that's really disappointing. So um, once I got back, you know, I cleared the mind a little bit and got the surgery done and um, I've always come back from every surgery I've had. So I didn't want to, you know, give up straight away and say, you know, I won't rehab it or I won't sort of commit how I have before. Um, So I was fully committed um, and then... Probably halfway through the year, um, an opportunity came up where we could probably move back to Townsville and yep. be around my wife's family. Um, and then, yeah, we just we just had a daughter um, sort of in 2020 as well. And I guess for me, I wanted to, um, yeah, maybe move back to Townsville and, and settle down a little bit and, uh, yeah, made that decision to sort of do that. So, yeah, I spoke to um, the coach, John Morris, at the time and... Sort of told him what my plan was, and, and he was disappointed because you know they they sort of wanted to keep me around and, yeah. and give me one more crack. So, um, but yeah, I, I'd sort of made my mind up by then.
0: Yeah, so you do go back to North Queensland, and you end up deciding to play reserve grade. Uh, you know, for the I think it was the Blackhawks, is that right? Yeah, Blackhawk Hawk. yeah. Yeah, so, and mate, uh, it's funny the things that stick in my head, right? Like, I obviously have covered a lot of injuries over the years that I've been doing this now and stuff like this, but this is one that I remember as clearly as anything and not one that I necessarily had access to footage of, but I remember copying another message from someone who's like, Cam King's done his knee again and I, I just remember, yeah, being like, no, please, no, because I, I just followed, like, as I said, I really respected what you'd done the year before. That kind of really opened my eyes to your sort of personality and your your progress through that. Now, thankfully, it wasn't the ACL. It was an MCL, but how how did you go with that? Were you worried that it was an ACL at any point?
2: Um, Yes, yeah, so it, it was round one of the um, Queensland Cup, so was sort of my first game back. Uh, And, yeah, I'd come off the bench and sort of played about 20, 30 minutes. And I remember, I don't remember the tackle, but I think someone fell on it. Yeah. And my knee just went in. So, like, it's just standard sort of medial ligament injury. And I remember hearing a pop. um, And I got up, and I I guess I was probably just in denial at the time. Um, I just tried to run it off and then tried to change direction and you know, I could just feel how unstable it was. Um, and then, yeah, the other trainer tried to strap it up, and then I tried to run again. And, uh, yeah, I just I had no push off it. I just felt slow. It was still pretty sore. Um, so, yeah, I ended up, I just pretty much walked off and walked off into the shed. Um, I didn't speak to anyone. I just went up to the sheds and started crying. You know, in my head, I probably didn't think it was ACL, but yeah. it was more just, I guess, an, an emotional thing and frustration and... Um, a couple of people tried to talk to me, and I just yeah, I just shut down, and I didn't want to talk to anyone.
0: Oh, mate, and that's understandable. I think you know you you make the decision to kind of you know move up to North Queensland and just play some play some footy in reserve grade, and to have that happen, you effectively your first game back. Yeah, uh, like it's about as. I mean, we've we've talked about a few instances here where there's been some rough sort of setbacks, but that yeah, must have been right at the you know right at the end of it, a, a really tough one to swallow. You end up that year getting an, a left shoulder, Rico, is that, was that just a result of, I guess, wear and tear over the time? Was that when you were like, I'm done with footy, I just want to get things fixed up?
2: Yeah, so um, I guess it was sort of wear and tear from, I guess, maybe 2017 when I when I didn't get surgery. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, I finished up uh, sort of mid-year playing with the Blackhawks and, um, yeah, my shoulder had been sore for a couple of years and um, through the NRL, through the retirement process, um, I had the chance to get some scans done and, and see if I could uh, get it fixed up. And yeah, ended up um, getting an operation just before Christmas last year. So uh, there was a fair bit of damage in there. Um, there was actually a lot more than the surgeon thought on the scan. Uh, there was stuff floating around from previous surgeries and I pretty much had no labrum. Um, and the doctor told me i got pretty bad arthritis in my shoulder too, so... I uh, got it fixed up just before Christmas and sort of back to everything now. Still sort of a bit tight with the range. Obviously, I haven't pushed it to play footy again. So, I've just really had it just to sort of get back to normal sort of movement and being able to do some weights and, and play with my daughter.
0: Yeah, and that was actually going to be my next question, I guess, is is kind of, you know, we've we've kind of run through all the injuries now over your career. How's your function today? Like that's obviously talking about your shoulder, your knees. Do you need any, you know, medication, regular treatment, that kind of thing? And does it limit you in any way? Exercise, like is there anything that limits you exercise or sport-wise? Like where are you at physically?
2: Um, yeah, I feel pretty good. Obviously, I'm, I'm just getting my full range and strength back in that shoulder. So um, that's sort of the, the only issue at the moment. Um, the syndesmosis injury that i got in the UK, like my range is pretty bad in one ankle. So yeah. anytime I go for a run, I get a sore ankle. Um, my knees are pretty good. Although my my medial that I hurt last year, like I still feel like that's pretty loose. Yeah. So I'm not too sure. I'm pretty sure I don't have uh, like a full medial there because I can sort of feel it popping around when I move. On the inside, um, but yeah, my knees are pretty good. Um, my lower back—I have a split disc that sort of flares um, up every now and then, but uh, yeah, just sort of rest, and that sort of goes away after a couple of days. So, um, all in all, not too bad. I'm still able to go for a run and go to the gym and do the things that I want to do.
0: Yeah, that's good, mate. Uh, I think that's you know another, I guess, reality of uh, of footy and uh, and something that people you know should should probably appreciate more is that, you know, once once the is over, all these issues don't just disappear. Hey, they it's something that you have to, at, at times, uh, continue to manage.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's like that. This is my sort of first full year out of footy, so, yeah, probably realising that now and just need to sort of keep the body moving just to make sure everything doesn't seize up and, um, yeah, go from there
0: definitely mate now look you know uh, we've we've covered a lot of stuff there We, you know there's there's. Uh, I mean when you sent me through the list of, of different things we had to cover like as you said I think you said you hadn't written it all down before uh, and, yeah, uh, it yeah made that, was, for,
2: that was the first time doing that yeah
0: it made for um, yeah pretty extensive uh, reading but look I really appreciate you coming on man I have one last question I ask everyone uh, it's a bit of a fun one you don't have to throw anyone under the bus here if you don't want to, but I've got two two parts to the question. I'd love a nomination for the toughest teammate you ever played with, so the guy who, you know, would just push through crazy injuries, just never seem to phase him. And as I said, if you do have someone who you want to throw under the bus, you can nominate a softest teammate as well, so, you know, somebody who would just break a nail and, and not handle it very well. But definitely at least the toughest teammate. Do you have anyone that comes to mind? <laughs>
2: Um, oh, I think, I mean, it's hard to go past Kyle. Yeah. Obviously, as I know his story, um, and I sort of saw firsthand what he, what he went through and, you know, to be able to get back, um, you know, from five ACLs is, uh, yeah, I don't know if that'll ever be done again. Um, but I did see that, um, Kyle said Dean Young, so that's probably my answer as well. Yeah. Um, Kyle and I were just starting out there at the Dragons uh, when Dino was finishing and, yeah, to see what he went through, um, you know, just to play games. He had his own training schedule during the week. Like, he wasn't able to run during the week, otherwise he wouldn't be able to play on the weekend. And um, every time you see him, he's in the ice bath or got the ice pack on his knees. And, yeah, for him to be able to um, get through the back end of his career after being told, you know, he probably won't play again. Um, yeah, that was awesome to see. And, and that was my sort of first taste of first grade, seeing a guy like that. Um, go through
0: that, so yeah, that was awesome Yeah, it must have been a bit of an eye-opener mate, that's for sure, um, but look as I said, really appreciate you coming on man, I know, like, I uh, really appreciate you giving up the time, and uh, yeah, I think talking through that, like you, you've got the, you know, the couple ACL injuries in there, the the shoulder you know, shoulder reconstructions and stuff like that, but it's also about those I guess the the regular setbacks that you know building mentally to you know to get over that challenge of you know little niggles that might be 5 or 6 weeks here or 2 or 3 weeks there uh, they're not nothing when they compound and and there's you know they year on year they they keep setting you back a little bit so I appreciate you talking us through it uh like especially around that sort of mental side of things and and how you dealt with it and as i said like it, what you did sort of towards the back end of your career in terms of sort of opening up to people, um, to the public, about you know the, I, I guess the challenges around injuries, but then also the process. I think was extremely valuable. I was really glad to hear it was valuable for you, but I think it was really valuable to those who followed along. So uh, props to you, mate, and really thanks for coming on and sharing your story.
2: No, thanks a lot, mate. It's um, you know it's awesome to be able to give back to the fans and um, you know let people know sort of what we go through when you're playing during your career and. Um. Yeah. If I can say anything to to people, it's just you know, when you go through adversity, just don't give up and um, just take it one step at a time and um, set some short term goals and some long term goals and and tick them off along the way.
0: Wonderful advice, mate. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for coming on this morning. And uh, yeah, hopefully we talk sometime in the future. Hey.
2: No worries, mate. Thanks for having me.
0: Close to getting his way over the line there. King goes himself. King looks to have found a way over. Cameron King just minutes into his first game for the Rovers has found a way over. And uh, Feniston going on the road and they're over. Benny yeah. Evan with that kind yeah. of move. Yeah, I think that's his signature move, to be honest with you, yeah. As Cameron King goes from Dummy Half with a, a dummy, and he's going towards that. Cameron King with a great try there. Under the post, individual effort from him. Yeah, that's a great try from King. I think he's sold 34 dummies on white right at line there. Eh? Here's King at Dummy Half.
2: Great Dummy. Oh, what a try. He fakes left. fakes right. And he loves it, doesn't Cameron King. Just the seven tries for Cameron King. Top try, score from the and That's the... That's unbelievable.
0: That's our chat with Cam King. Uh, yeah, look, a bit of a lengthy one, but uh, a lot to cover. Obviously, James, what uh, what were your thoughts?
1: Lots to cover, Brian. Lots of surgeries. I struggled to keep track of the amount of surgeries, actually. So I don't know how Cam sort of had a good good enough memory to get sort of all through those time frames and the detail of all those surgeries. It must have just been one thing after the other. They must all start to sort of feel the same for him after a while. But it was really, really interesting. And I think for Cam King, looking in at his history and his sort of, you know, late high school into sort of NRL, I guess, debut and things like that and through the 20s, like, he you've got to remember, like, Cam King was an absolute worldie. He was the captain of the Australian Schoolboys in 2009. He captained New South Wales under-18s in 2009. So this guy's like a, a bona fide superstar. Like, he, he, he comes across on the podcast you know, really humble and really appreciative for his career. But I sort of almost think if I was in that situation, there must be a part of you that just thinks, like, I definitely belong at this level. If I can just get a bit of luck on the injury front, it must have been so, so frustrating seeing many, many, many of those guys who you would have played Australian schoolboys with go on to relatively injury free careers or go from strength to strength. And he's, you know, trying to trying to just cut his way in and just not getting his share of luck. That must have been really frustrating, hey, especially if you're such a highly touted, highly regarded player, even though he's a very down-to-earth bloke on the interview, hey?
0: Oh, 100%. Like, you know, I was, yeah, in doing my research, and I mean he was good enough to sort of sit down and do me up a list because I don't think I would have even gone close to sort of, you know, coming across all of those injuries that he had uh yeah just just a really really good guy to sort of have suffered all those and and so late in his career to suffer that ACL injury which just would have been devastating and and to have the i i guess the foresight to to go out there and share it with you know people and and look if you're out there listening I'm I'm sure he'd still have a lot of it up on his social media so you know scroll back I think it was in 2020 scroll back and have a look and and see what he went through and and check those kind of things out because that's really cool to sort of see um I and and look he he sort of came out the other side of it really good too I mean he I inserted, I like to put on um, the player interviews, if I can, sort of the start, you know, some some audio of them suffering an injury, you know, to show what they went through. And then at the end, you know, some some audio of some highlights and things that they did well. And, and Cam King, like in looking at it when he went over to Fev, over in the, the UK, he uh, he was actually the leading try scorer for the for the comp that the Feb Rovers were in for a fair while from a yeah. hooker. I think he scored like 20-odd tries in the season. So, man, yeah, like, you right, know. He's a jet. Uh, yeah. He's an absolute jet. So, good on him. Like, you know, uh, I thought really respectful, uh, res- respectable what he did and, uh, yeah, re- really enjoyed the chat, really enjoying these chats in general. So, yeah. A lot of fun, but uh, look, that's a wrap for this week, guys. If you like the pod, look as we say every week, a review, recommend. Uh, the other thing which I've been told this week, subscribing is really, really good for us. So if you haven't clicked that subscribe button, uh, please do because yeah, we want more and more people to listen to the pod. Uh, we enjoy doing it every Sunday night. Hopefully, you guys continue to enjoy listening. James, enjoy this week. Bye week, a bit quieter. Although we'll have the build up to Origin, which will be fun uh you know queensland down on troops uh via felice Cafusi, so staying overseas with his poor old man but uh yeah should be a good week ahead
1: should be really good week brian i think on the subscribe and even like the rating sort of side of things i think if you're someone listening that you dm brian and you want to get his insights i think compulsory should be giving it a five-star review or even subscribing before you do that as a common courtesy to brian (laughs) senior i think that's the least you can do
0: Mate, you're too kind to me, mate. You're too kind. But, uh, yeah, guys, have a good week. Enjoy. uh, And uh, I'll talk to you. We'll talk to you all next Sunday night. Suspected broken left fibula. Suffering syndesmosis.
2: After that stem cell injury he's come back from. That's about it, mate.